Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Periodically, we compile a UPR community book list. We know that uh, you are uh, an avid reader. Public radio listeners generally are avid readers. And uh, so we're going to have the power of community here. We're going to uh, get your suggestion, maybe one book, maybe many. What are you reading? What are you looking forward to reading? And uh, then we're going to combine all those recommendations and put those on our website. And uh, that's always a nice thing. I always enjoy looking through those, and I always get some good suggestions I hadn't thought of that I would like to read as well. Uh, Later on, we're going to be hearing from Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City, some suggestions of new books. Alyssa Sherman from Back of Beyond Books in Moab will join us as well. Right now, uh, and for the hour, we have UPR friend and avid reader Elaine Thatcher joining us. Thanks for coming back. Nice to be here. Good to, good to have you with us. Uh, I know you're always reading, so yeah. I'm interested to hear what you uh, are suggesting. And here's how you can reach us. The best way to do that is our web, uh, our email, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. I'll repeat that, upraccess at gmail.com. Just uh, send us your list. Could be one book, could be many. Um, could be could be reaching back well into the past, a book that's had a big impact on you or what you're reading right now, or what you're looking forward to reading. We uh, would love to, to get that uh, get that all. Before we uh, jump into your list, Elaine, I want to get a couple of uh, emails that have come in before the program. Uh, so this is from our friend Amy Anderson from Sunshine Terrace. Also, she's on the Logan City Council and comes in with us periodically on a nonprofit uh, spotlight shows. Uh, here's what she says. Uh, Amy says, surprisingly, I've been reading and recommending my sister Anastasia Zadek's book. Uh, I interviewed Anastasia Zadek on her book, Blurred Fates. Uh, great book, great conversation. You can find that at upr.org, our, our conversation. So Anastasia Zadek, Blurred Fates. Uh, now, she says, on to The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, for pleasure, and have queued up When We Were Orphans by Kazu Ishiguro. Uh, reading Resilient Grieving by Lucy Hone for my work in hospice, and finish The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks uh, in the nonfiction category. That's uh, the author there is Rebecca Sklute. So again, the, the books that Amy's recommending, Blurred Fates by Anastasia Zadek, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, When We Were Orphans by Kazu Ishiguro, Reading Resilient Grieving by Lucy Hone, and The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Sklute. Have you have you read any of those? I uh, I read the Night Circus mm-hmm. um, uh, just 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 recently, and I enjoyed it very much. It's an an interesting, um, you know, f- sort of fantasy type type book, but um, not elves and ogres and stuff ah, like that. You know, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yes, oh, wonderful. I've read. Uh, I can't say I've read the whole, all of it, but I've read part of Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. It's about uh, uh, development of DNA. The, oh, cool. The, it took the DNA from this one woman, and and uh, and then replicated it, and uh, and as I remember it correctly, that's the foundation for a lot of the DNA work that's being done. And so uh, Rebecca School goes into the life of Henry Delax, uh, um, which is a fascinating story in and of itself, even before she achieves immortality with her with her cells being replicated. <laughs> Uh, it's just uh, interesting, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Blurred Fates, uh, interesting b- book, uh, fun book, well, uh, fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> Pulse Pounder. Uh, uh, that sounds like one I might want to read. Yeah, yeah. Anastasia Zadek, who is uh, sister to Amy Anderson. Uh, anyway, that's uh, Amy's. And then we had an email from Alyssa Gillespie, who's recommending Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. 
And that's been out a, a while. Yeah, a so while, this yeah. This is another recommendation for Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. So thanks, Anna Gillespie. We'll, ha- we'll add that to the list. So what's first on your list? Lynn? Well, you know, I um, uh, just happened upon a book that, uh, you know, some of you, depending on your, your uh, political leanings, may or may not want to read, but it's um, uh, it's a thriller. It's a, it's a novel, a thriller called State of Terror, written by Louise Penny and Hillary Clinton. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and the protagonist is a female Secretary of State. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of the actual writing Clinton did, but uh, Louise Penny, you know, she's a longtime mystery writer, and, and uh, uh, I haven't read any of her mysteries, but um, I, I have friends who love her work. But certainly... Hillary Clinton would have provided, you know, insight into the workings of the inter- inside workings of the Department of State and working with other countries. And th- this book is called State of Terror, and it's uh, it's about some bombings that happen um, first in Europe and then threatened in the United States and her efforts to try to uh, stop them. And her, you know, kind of, you remember... Um, uh, now I've lost his name. Anyway, the the Secretary of State who invented shuttle di- diplomacy, mm. um, and uh, so she's flying around on what they call um, Air Force Three. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's 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 very it's a thriller. It's a good one. Uh, so again, the title: State of Terror by yeah. Louise Penny and Hillary Clinton. All right, all right, we'll check it out. Yeah, what's next on your list? Well, um, I uh, am. I've also. I used to work in um, in USU's special collections when I was a graduate student, and so I and I love libraries and, as you know, books and so forth. And there is a book called "The Department of Rare Books and Special Collections" uh, by Eva Jurczyk, or J U R C Z Y K, and. Um, Again, the uh, the lead character is a woman who works in a department of special collections at a university, um, I believe, in Canada. Canada, and um, uh, there's a mystery, not a murder, but there's a mystery, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, the characters in the this special collections department resonate with. People, you know, if you've worked in libraries, you know, you can spot some of those characters, and it's it's a lot of fun. We'll have to alert uh, USU special yes, collections Yes, we'll have folks. to let them know about we, it. We know yeah. a lot of those folks. Yeah, they can, they can read this and see themselves, perhaps. In, in <laughs> perhaps, this, yeah. yes. Uh, tell me the, the title again. It's called uh, The Department of Rare Books and Special Collections. Yeah, yeah, that does sound uh, interesting. How'd you, how'd you run across that? Um I think I saw it advertised on Facebook. You know, I've I've had mixed results with um, books being recommended on Facebook because I realized I was getting ads uh-huh. for books that are not well edited or vetted, you know. Um, so you have to be careful, you know, when you see an ad for a book on Facebook. Um, I have another one here that I uh, – oh, which one was it? Um I don't remember now, but anyway, I recently read another book that just the editing just drove me crazy mm-hmm. or lack thereof, mm-hmm. you know, both in terms of content and continuity and those kinds of questions, as well as obvious, you know, grammatical and spelling and, you know, 
that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it um, it was uh, a little annoying. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, remember how important editing is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially for yeah. Uh, the story to flow mm. properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, let me uh, let me give my first two books. I've I've jumped back into these. Well, actually, kind of for the first time, these two. Um, on the occasion of David McCullough's uh, death, great, uh, wonderful biographer, historian, uh, I had a chance to interview David McCullough. It's on my bucket list. I got to cross cool. that off. So um, <laughs> he, he's, he was in his 80s. He gave us a half an hour, and he talked about his book, The Wright Brothers. Um, and uh, it's one of those moments when you know you're going to be talking to David McCullough, you introduce him, and then that voice comes on, right? <laughs> So that voice we hear on all those documentaries. Were you nervous? Uh, I, yeah, I was nervous, <laughs> for sure, Yeah, because this is one of my favorite writers. Um, and so I've jumped into uh, a couple of his earlier books, The Path Between the Seas, about the Panama Canal, fascinating history, and uh, then The Great Bridge, which is about the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, that has a fascinating history. That was one of his very early books. Um, so, uh, I highly recommend those, any of David McCullough's books. Mm-hmm. My favorite is Truman, uh, just a wonderful biography of Harry Truman. Um, and then I, uh, I pulled up, uh, the Civil War series, Ken Burns series. Just, I just kind of wanted to get back into that. And I, I had remembered before that David McCullough is the narrator on that, but what a wonderful yes. experience, you know, you, That's a great you, series, you yes. jump into that. You, you hear that theme, Ashokan Farewell, uh-huh, right? And uh-huh. then David McCullough's voice comes on. And I had forgotten that Sullivan Blue's incredible letter, A Week Before He Dies, that's in episode one. It, that was, The yeah. end of episode one. So you got to, got to experience that. So emotional, yeah. This is just a regular guy. Mm-hmm. What poetry, right? And then, yeah. then the poignance uh, that a week later he died in the first Battle of Bull Run. Crazy. Anyway, that David McCullough narrates that, so uh, that's those are my David McCullough suggestions upon his upon his death. Um, let's see, I believe we have uh, Anne Holman uh, with us from the King's English uh, Bookshop, Anne. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, Happy La- to be here. Elaine and I are here <laughs> waiting with bated breath yes. here. So, uh, what, what's what's first on your list? Well, you know, I'm going to start with nonfiction since you're talking about David McCullough. Uh, Rinker Buck, you might remember his Oregon Trail, which was um, a little a little naughty, but also really good history about the Oregon Trail, mostly because he did that trek with his brother and his brother's um, a character. His new book is called Life on the Mississippi, uh, and it's Rinker Buck, as, as he is wont to do. He starts in Pittsburgh. And he and he's investigating the history of the flatboats in the opening of the West. And it was a lot of history that I wasn't aware of. And what happened with the flatboats is because you could build them with almost any material you could find, float down the river to wherever you were going, and almost everybody took the boats out of the river and built their cabins or their stores or whatever they were going to build with them. So there was really no history left over for people to study. Um, but in his in his building a flatboat and floating the Mississippi, he discovers this um, you know not well known part of American history in terms of how westward expansion was happening first and foremost on the rivers because it was the fastest and the easiest way to make your way 
West. Um, oh, that's, that's a sounds really fascinating. Writer, and he mixes in yeah. a lot of things about his life. He, he had spent the year before that um, helping take care of his mother before she passed away, and it gave him a, a lot of time to reflect on that. And um, so it's a it's, it's really interesting Americana. I really like his writing. Yeah. Uh, and you're kind of coming in and out with your signal. I'm not sure. I don't know. Put your phone closer to your mouth or something. Uh, Let me see if I can do that. Yeah. There we go. All right. Is that so, better? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, Life on the Mississippi, uh, Rinker Buck. That sounds very interesting. And then I wanted to mention two new books are coming by Joy Harjo. And the reason I mentioned it is because she's coming to the University of Utah this fall to do a lecture. She has two new books. One is called Catching the Light. It's a very small book, and it's a series of um, almost contemplations of things that have happened to her in her life. Um, She's an amazing her person. Her children, her poetry, it's a beautiful book. And then her next book is called Weaving Sundown in a Scarlet Light, 50 Poems for 50 Years. And she's literally gone through her past work and picked out 50 of her favorite poems and created this collection. <clears throat> Did you Sundown in a Scarlet Say, I love that title. Did you say it was Leaving Sundown? Weaving, like weaving a blanket. We, oh, Weaving Sundown. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh-huh, in a scarlet light. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her in the fall. And then David Lee, our old poet laureate, is back. He has a collection of poetry called Rusty Barbed Wire. Tom, I don't know if you've interviewed him about this yet or not. I have not on this one, no. Oh, it's, it's time to get David Lee back on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a collection of some of his poetry. I, I love thinking about his Porcine Chronicles. He's the great pig poet. He is. That's, that's right. The great, the great pig poet, <laughs> anyway, yes. Anyway, um, it's a collection from some of his earlier books, and it's just going to be lots of fun. And then my favorite of the year is called Golden Axe, the collection of poetry by Rio Cortez. The reason this is so interesting is Rio's great-grandfather was enslaved in New Orleans, and when he gained his freedom, he came west and settled in Salt Lake City and became the first black detective in Salt Lake City. And she's written this collection of poetry, and she's created this um, kind of, she's coined this phrase called Afro-pioneerism, and she's talking a lot about the black exodus, the black people in Utah, her ancestors, um, how they fared, who's still here, who's not here anymore. It's fascinating. She's a, um, a terrific writer, terrific poet, writes children's books. She lives in Brooklyn now, but or Harlem, rather. But this Golden Axe, I think, is the beginning of some interesting Afro-pioneerism writing that we're going to see from her, so I think that's exciting. So it's The Golden Axe by Rio Cortez. Wonderful. By Rio Cortez. Yeah. She's one of the Penguin Young Poets, so good for us. Another yeah, one from you. Yeah, yeah, that is that is wonderful. Yeah, what uh, what's what's next on your list? I have a couple of children's books I wanted to mention. One I'm really excited about that's coming in the beginning of November, but pre-order now if you want to make sure you get it. It's a picture book called <clears throat> Working Boat: An Inside Look at Ten Amazing Watercraft, and it's a picture book. Um, Tom Prestadina is the author, and he does a lot of uh, drawings for boat magazines, and um, this is a series of cross-sections of boats. So for young kids, especially those that are mechanically minded, it's 
literally cross-sections of freighters, cross-sections of shrimp boats. So you can see all of the inner workings. I know when I was little, I loved those kinds of things, like the David Macaulay Palace and Castle, those kinds of books. It's going to be a good one to put under the Christmas tree. And then Matt De La Pena has a new book called Patchwork, and it's a beautiful little story about being young and having all different kinds of colors. We're all not one color. We're all every color. Some colors, sometimes you're blue because you feel sad. Sometimes you're red because you're mad, but you're everything. And it's a kind of a beautiful little collection of how we're all made up of different colors. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And then if I yeah. Have time, yeah, if I have time, I'll, I'll do a little bit of uh, fiction. Oh, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. My favorite of the season is called Properties of Thirst. It's by Marianne Wiggins. Big book. It takes place um, just after Pearl Harbor has happened, outside of, Los, outside of Los Angeles, California. And a rancher has uh, lost his wife. He has twins. The son, unfortunately, is in Pearl Harbor, and they can't figure out if he's alive or dead. The daughter is working at a restaurant in town. Not because they need the money, because the rancher's fairly wealthy, but the rancher's mad because, and this is a true story, right around the beginning of the, that Second World War, the city of Los Angeles kind of um, took all of the water from the ranchers, saying you know, they needed it for the city. And so it was that eminent domain that, um, that happens to so many people. So he's mad about that, and a knock on the door sends him into a, a whole new direction because it's a young man from the U.S. Army who has come to his ranch to say, listen, we're conscripting all of this land across the street from you because we're building a camp. And it turns out that it's an internment camp. And it's the story of the building of this camp and this young man who becomes very disillusioned by what's going on and the friendship he strikes up with the rancher and he falls in love with the, with the young woman. Um, and so it's a really interesting historical fiction about Pearl Harbor, World War II, as it was kind of happening in the West, and then some of the domestic things that were going on, too. And the picture of the, of the people at Manzanar who were, you know, we, we, we really, that was such a gravely terrible thing we did. And the doctors and the farmers and the mechanics that they had to pull out of that camp to help, and the way we repaid them. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's a beautiful, beautiful story of how people can work together in the worst of circumstances. So that's Properties of Thirst by Mary Ann Wiggins. All right. And then Anthony Mara has a new book, finally, Mercury Pictures Presents. I really loved his previous two books. Mercury Pictures Presents, the main character is a young woman who has escaped um, fascist Italy during World War II again. And she's found herself in Los Angeles. Um, and she's working for a kind of a hack motion picture studio called Mercury Pictures. And she's really kind of the second in charge. But because she's a woman, she doesn't get to do what she deserves. And she's also Italian. And so, again, she has to carry papers. She can't be out after sundown. She, there's only certain places in Los Angeles where she's allowed to go. And, you know, here she is, this really bright, interesting person. And she's suffering from the same things that we did to some to the Japanese people on the West Coast. Um, so just interesting pictures of America and some of our the mistakes we made and why we made them and how we can do better, but great fiction. 
Wonderful, wonderful. I understand you have uh, an author coming to the King's English. Want to tell us just a little bit about that? Jessie Burton is, so a, a lot of people will remember her from writing The Miniaturist, um, a, a really fun novel, and she's back now, finally, with House of Fortune. And we love Jessie, and one of our booksellers, Mackenzie Lee, recently moved to Los Angeles. This seems to be a Los Angeles-themed show I'm doing here. Um, Mackenzie's coming back to interview her on Thursday. Um, gosh, that's just tomorrow already, isn't it? Where's yeah. The ball coming? Boy, but yeah, it's going fast already, isn't <laughs> so it? So yeah. we're looking forward to that. We're finally opening up again and doing some in-person author events, so it's very exciting. And we've fixed up our patio and inviting people in, and it seems like we're maybe finally getting back to some normalcy. Well, uh, wonderful. We'll we'll have your entire list uh, on our website, upr.org. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice to speak to you. Good, good to speak to you. Thank you. Ann Holman okay. from the King's English Bookshop. So that's uh, some interesting titles there. Yeah. You mentioned, Elaine, uh, you, you love Joy Harjo. Yes. Um, I met her uh, years ago, but, um, you know, she's... Uh, an incredible poet and jazz musician, and uh, I don't remember what her tribe is. She's Native American, um, just has a unique viewpoint on the world and uh, uh, reflects that, just just really uh, uh, thoughtful poetry. Uh, if you haven't read her, just check her out. She's great. Wonderful. And Meyer is perked up. She's coming to Salt Lake apparently in the fall, so... Yes, I think Let's yeah, I think I saw that. See if we can get her on Access U time. That'd be great. Point yeah. to my producer through the through the glass here. <laughs> he'll he'll get right on it. All right, wonderful. Uh, in fact, we'll uh, we'll try to get several of these authors from our UPR community book list on Access Utah. Bet you so can't get good. Agatha Christie. Uh, can't probably can't get no probably can't get her. <laughs> maybe get a Christie scholar. You know, yeah, there know. you go. I'm sure there are there are English I just, professors I, who study Christie. I haven't read Agatha Christie in a long, long time, and I just read uh, Why Didn't They Ask Evans. Ah, and I haven't heard that one. It's an, I think it's an early one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not considered one of her better ones, but I enjoyed it greatly. I th- decided to watch it or read it because it had been made into a program. I don't know if it was PBS or one of, some some channel. Anyway, they, they had turned it into a, a TV movie, and I thought, I really want to read it, and uh, so I did, and I enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah. You know, she had a real skill with a little bit of humor and uh, turning, you know, twists and turns. It, it, yeah. it was fun to read her again. And kind of an interesting dance of revealing, you know, not being totally dishonest with your reader, right? Uh-huh. But withholding enough <laughs> that it's that it's a big surprise, She right? really was a master, Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we have done, uh, let's see, we did a, a program on um, who wrote O Pioneers. Um, um, Antonia, um, oh, no, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, we, we did a program on her. We had some scholars in. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to do a program on P.G. Woodhouse. Trying to find some, oh, some wouldn't people. Oh, would that be that, fun? Yeah, I love P.G. Woodhouse. That would be great. I, I could fill up my list every time we do this with, P, with, just, with this P.G. Woodhouse because uh, I just love yes. to relax into that farce, right? Yeah, that, it is that, so that silly. lighthearted is, yep. uh, world, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get more from Elaine's list, and we'll be talking at that point with Alyssa Sherman from Back and Beyond Books in Moab. We'll have more following this. (music) 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're compiling a UPR community book list, and we want to know what you're reading. Uh, we'd love to get an email from you to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We're getting ideas from booksellers. We'll soon we'll be uh, turning to Back of Beyond Books uh, to um, Alyssa Sherman to see what she's got on her list. We had Ann Holman there. We're hearing from Elaine Thatcher. I'm revealing some of my latest reads, but we really would love to hear from you, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We all band together. We produce a community book list, and uh, that gives uh, each other ideas. It's a fabulous resource for when you're looking for something to read, yeah. Because, uh, you know, UPR listeners are smart, and (laughs) and they're adventurous, and they're avid readers. Uh, So that that probably describes you. So we'd love to get just one book you're reading or a whole book list, whatever it may be, and just email that to us, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at uh, gmail.com. So, Elaine, I just have two words for you, Willa Cather. (laughs) (laughs) How could we forget Willa Cather? (laughs) Uh, I guess we're getting old and Get, forgetful. Yep, we're getting age, aged, <laughs> yes. So uh, I, you know, I I recommend anything written by Willa Cather. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, this was in the category of you You challenged me to interview Agatha Christie, and of course I can't. <laughs> I could get Christie scholars, I guess. Yes, we got we got some scholars. We got some Cather scholars. We had a nice program. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to trying to find some uh, Woodhouse scholars to, so I can have fun with some that PG Woodhouse. That would be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Um, what's next on your list? Well, okay, so I um, I have a couple of books or two or three that are in process uh, for various reasons that I've been reading. Um, one, the title just fascinated me. <clears throat> it's called Debt, The First 5,000 Years hmm. by um, uh, David Graeber. And it's, it's very interesting. I, th- I think... One of the things I discovered in <clears throat> in reading is that he seems to um, have a an idea that 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 we he is pro debt. Let's put it that way, um, which flies in the face of everything you get taught about mm-hmm. you know debt. But but he gives this history uh, uh, starting way way back about how people would give each other credit for. Uh, one thing or another in barter systems and everything else and um, the reason it's taking me a while to read it is it's quite pedantic it's um, uh, it's a slog but it's very interesting and um, so I would recommend if you're interested in that topic it's uh, it's an interesting book Um, but uh, then I have to break things up with something a little lighter so uh, I you know I choose some of these uh, I read um, a book called *The Midnight Library* by uh, Matt Haig, which um, is a bit of a time travel or you know s- sort of a book, uh, a, a bit of a fantasy. But um, this midnight library is something that facilitates moving back and forth in time and space, and uh, so that's a light and easy read. But it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, wonderful. Well, it's actually more than fun. It's actually very introspective. Makes you think mm-hmm. about your life. Uh, tell us the title again. It's called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Okay. Yeah, we'll check that out. And so we'll have Elaine's list on our website, upr.org, following the program as well. Well, we do bring in uh, now Alyssa Sherman from the King's English, or not the King's English, that's in Salt Lake, from Back of Beyond Books in uh, Moab. Uh, so, Alyssa Sherman, welcome to the program. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for, for joining us. Now, I, I understand my producer uh, told me that uh, our old friend uh, has uh, sold <laughs> Back of Beyond. It's under new management, but you're uh, you're there. You're, you're still there. I am here. I was fortunate enough to work when Andy Nettle was still owning Back of Beyond and here through the transition, which has just been a really good and interesting and sweet time of transition and to see how the bookstore is weathering just about everything including crazy weather yeah, <laughs> yeah. with the yeah. flashback a couple weeks ago we were okay and um we're just working together to bring books to this area <laughs> well, that's wonderful i'm glad to hear you back beyond the so, doing, yeah doing i'm well glad here. you weren't all all wet so to speak yeah yeah, that's a, that's a, bookstores are such great community resources. I'm glad to hear that Back of Beyond is doing well. Um, well, um, let's jump into your list. What's what's first on your list? Okay, um, the first book that I want to talk about is Woman of Light by Kali Fajardo Onstein. And she is an author based out of Denver, Colorado. This is her first full-length novel. She had another um, book of short stories that came out a few years ago, Sabrina and Karina. And this book, Woman of Light, is it was just such a fun and interesting read. Um, the main character, Luce, is living in Denver in the Depression era, and um, it just it follows her family history over and across five generations, and so it's kind of bouncing back and forth from her perspective to the perspective of her aunt and her mother and then her grandparents and how it, it's a really good book to talk about how our pasts and our families impact where we are currently and can move us into our next phase as well. Oh, that sounds interesting. Woman of Light. Mm-hmm. Title. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Uh, next, I've got Cult Classic. Uh, this book is by Sloan Crosley. It is a book that just came out this year, and this one is really, really funny, <laughs> which mm. I tore through it because mm. the writing was just really witty. And it's about Lola, who is given this opportunity um, to kind of, quote-unquote, experience full closure <laughs> from all of her past relationships. And it comes about because an old boss of hers has started a cult that's based in mind control. So he is controlling all of these people from her past with this mind control thing that he's discovered. And um, they're all coming into her life just through random um, encounters in the street, and she's having this experience of asking the question, if anything had been different, would this relationship have been different? Would it have continued? And it's just a really funny commentary on relationships in an age where you are constantly surrounded by the past because of social media and access to information about anyone you want on the internet. It's a really funny book. Oh, That's, interesting. That does sound like a, a great premise, yeah. Cult classic? Mm -hmm. Cult classic. Yeah. What What's next on the list? Next, I have, in a totally different direction, mm -hmm. a Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. 
by John Koenig. And this book is, um, it actually is a dictionary of words that this author has made up. And the book stemmed from a blog that he had for many years and then a YouTube series. And then he compiled everything that he had come up with into this book. And it's really about um, relishing in the beauty and the potential of language to connect us and to communicate what we're all feeling, but also holding really loosely that the idea that some words just don't work. And so if they don't work, can we come up with new ones? And um, interestingly, one of my favorite words that he comes up with is imonomia, um, which is actually the fear that naming and defining an object or a person or experience will somehow ruin it. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Interesting, ironic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows by John Koenig. Yes. That sounds very yes. interesting. What's next on your list? Uh, next, I have An Immense World by Ed Young. And this one is a, is a book about um, all of the different senses that we all have. So we have five senses, but um, it also is about the senses that the animal world has and um, how different they experience the world and things like echolocation and um, being able to sense the electromagnetic field of the world, of the earth, and how that just drastically ch changes the experiences that animals have compared to us and um, really brings into question like, how much can you actually understand and appreciate another species if you're not experiencing the world in the same way. It was really beautiful and a really interesting book. What was that title again? An Immense World. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's fascinating. Ed Young, the, the author. There. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what's next on the list? Well, next I have The Crane Wife, which is a memoir and essays by C.J. Hauser. And this one, um, the essay in question that kind of is the basis for the book is The Crane Wife, and it first appeared in the Paris Review, and it's based on the premise of the ancient myth of the crane wife where this woman who is a crane meets this man. She wants to marry this man, and they do become, uh, they do become married, and, but she's a crane, and she has to hide it from the person she's in relationship with so she never sleeps. She spends every night pulling her feathers out so that he'll never know that she's a crane. And every one of um, C.J. Hauser's essays really touches on this theme of how much we believe we have to change ourselves to fit into the world around us, to fit into any and all kinds of relationships we, end, we enter into, either friendship or romantic, and repeatedly ask the question of what do we lose when we change ourselves so much for other people, and what is the truth about who we are, and what is the story we're telling? So The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser. That sounds yes. fascinating mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, What's, a really fun read. Yeah, and she's also funny. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's get one or two more from your list. We'll have the whole list on our website. Uh, but uh, yeah, 
One or two more. Okay, so the next one I have is uh, Jesus and John Wayne by Kristen Coves Dumez. And this one is, um, it's really a retrospective of the last 75 years of evangelical Christian culture in America and how much popular culture like Westerns and, of course, John Wayne, and that idea of expansion and aggression and conquering has really infiltrated um, a lot of the thinking and the culture of both evangelical Christianity and then, therefore, all of the parts of our political world that they, um, that there is such a direct correlation to. And it's just, it's really interesting to see the interplay of popular culture in a religious group and then within our politics over the past 75 years. It was really well researched. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I was just reminded recently of the time when uh, Marlon Brando sent uh, a Native American woman to that's the Oscars. Right. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was 50 years ago. That's why I was reminded it came up in a a feed, uh, and how John Wayne rushed the stage to try mm-hmm. to, to try to get her off the stage. Um, um, I remember that. So yeah, that sounds like a really interesting book. Mm, it's does. a really interesting wor- book, and um, this author is a historian at uh, Calvin University, so she has just a lot of the chops to really go into depth into all of the little even micro-movements within culture that has had huge ripple effects in our country. Mm. Mm, interesting. Uh, so, Alyssa Sherman, maybe just one more book. We'll have the okay. whole list up. Um, the last one I have here, then, is Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. And a lot of people know T.J. Klune from House on the Cerulean Sea or his YA series, The Extraordinaries. But this one is about a man named Wallace, and it, he finds that he is dead when a reaper comes to collect him from his own funeral that he realizes that he's watching. And he's taken to Hugo, who is the ferryman, and the ferryman's whole job is to help the newly dead cross over to the next phase of life. But in this kind of transitional phase, Wallace has all of this opportunity to really think back on his life and the way he did live and the way he wished he could have lived, and he forms relationships within this liminal space, and um, it's a really surreal meditation on life and death and it's but it's so light and it's so warm and cozy that it never feels like i am so overwhelmed by the subject matter it just feels kind of like a balm when you're thinking about it and tj clune is so good at dealing with heavy topics in a way that are is inviting Hmm. so under the whispering door by tj clune wonderful sounds great Mm -hmm. Well, like I say, we'll have the whole list stuff from Alyssa Sherman on our website, upr.org. Alyssa Sherman from Back of Beyond Books, uh, some great suggestions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. 
Um, and uh, we are looking for your uh, suggestions, your list. You can get that to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We've got another about eight minutes uh, left, upraccess at uh, gmail.com. So before we go to another uh, quick break, do uh, you have another book? Well, I'm going to compare wanna... and contrast two, so maybe okay. you want to do a break first? Uh, sure, let's do a, a break. We'll come back, and we'll have that from Elaine Thatcher. More following this. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, along with Elaine Thatcher. We're compiling a UPR community book list. We'll have this up later today on uh, upr.org, our website. You can uh, get your list to us, one book or many books. We'd love to get your suggestions. It really helps us out in our reading um, at upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. That's upraccess at gmail.com. So, Elaine, you said you were going to compare and contrast? or uh... Yes, I have two books that I wanted to just mention that I've uh, been reading. And uh, I, I'm interested in these books that focus on history in a different way, from a different angle. And so I'm reading Salt, A World History, by um, Mark uh, Kurlansky. And I believe he's written some other similar types mm-hmm type histories. And then there's another one called Sweetness and Light, The Mysterious History of the Honeybee by uh, Hattie Ellis. And um, they both are full of really interesting insights and odd little twists and turns in history that are usually, they're obscure, you know, but um, learning about how some of these, either either salt or honey, uh, played parts in in history from China to Europe to America, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're both very interesting books. However, I just want to say, I think that Salt, that Mark Kurlansky is, he's a very good writer. The writing is interesting and emotive and uh, uh, engaging. I would say uh, Hattie Ellis's writing on the history of the honeybee is a little Less so, but still a lot of interesting information, but it's more kind of like a school teacher telling you um, this history. You know, it's not, it doesn't have this beautiful, engaging writing, but I would, I would recommend it because it's really an interesting history uh, to see how, um, you know, from the days, it was only in like the last century and a half or so that, uh, that people were able to, uh, essentially tame wild bees by putting them into their own hives, creating hives for them. And uh, before that, it was all about hunting for honey trees and so forth. So uh, they both have just really fascinating stuff going on. Uh, the history of salt where, you know, talks about Rome and this fish sauce that they used to make uh, that <laughs> you can't really get much anymore, but it was it was putrid fish, but it was very salty and so some some really fun stuff, interesting stuff in these two histories of substances we use every day. Yeah, it uh, sounds interesting. So Salt by Mark Kurlansky, and then what was the other one? And the other one is Sweetness and Light, The Mysterious History of the Honeybee by Hattie Ellis. Wonderful. I'll give you a couple more uh, from my list. I've been, uh, I was interested in learning about Victoria, the Queen of England. Um, she's, you know, we all, we all are familiar with those portraits, right? The, yes. The, the, the little widow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's some few stories. She's very much obscured by the myth. 
and I wanted to get to the real person, and so I've been reading Victoria the Queen by Julia Baird. It's, a, it's a quite a good book, um, which gets at uh, gets at the whole thing, gets at the whole person, right? And uh, fascinating, so so iconic because she's spanned a century. That gave her name to a whole era, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a interesting, very very interesting uh, person, Victoria the Queen by Julia Baird. Um, and then I keep going back periodically to a wonderful history of uh, antebellum America. This is the years leading up to the Civil War. Uh, David Potter, wonderful historian, uh, the book is called The Impending Crisis. Starts at the Mexican-American War and goes up to uh, just the start of the Civil War. And uh, you get a you get a sense of the, the forces and the currents and the people um, that led up to the, the, the Civil War, the, the immediate years preceding the Civil War. Uh, fascinating, fascinating history, The Impending Crisis by uh, David Potter. Well, that sounds good. I'm, you know, the, our history is much more nuanced than uh, we realize. And when you read a focused history like that, and you can see the, the smaller events as well as the big events that lead up to something, you know, you can see yourself reflected in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have uh, about a minute left. Is there any uh, one last book? Um, I, I, you'd like I, to mention? I can't remember if I mentioned this one before, but it was kind of an interesting read. Um, it was actually one of those I found uh, that was uh, advertised, <laughs> you know, that that on my Facebook feed. But I did like it. It was called A Noise Downstairs by uh, Linwood Barkley, and um, it's a it's a mystery. Um, it's, uh, interesting in the, you know, you're trying to figure out if this guy is going crazy or he's a, he's a college professor who, um, sees a a colleague in odd circumstances that make him suspect him of something nefarious. Um, and, um, but, but the ensuing story, and that's in the beginning of the story, the ensuing story is uh, wondering if he's going crazy, you know. Uh, it's it's a pretty interesting, it's a fun read. Uh, a Noise Downstairs by Linwood Barkley. A Noise Downstairs, Linwood Barkley, wonderful. Well, we'll have Elaine's entire list on our website. We'll have um, th- those of you who have emailed in, we'll have your lists. Um and uh, we will have a list from Ann Holman and from uh, uh, Alyssa Sherman. Uh, let's get this in. This is Jennifer and Vernal. Uh, Jennifer's emailed us, and here's what she's suggesting. The American Reader, edited by Diane Ravitch. Sounds interesting. I'll have to check that one out. Sounds intriguing. I yes, don't know anything else yeah. about it. <laughs> the American Reader, edited by Diane Ravitch. Um, County Colon by Langston Hughes. Oh, so, yeah, some Langston Hughes cool. there. And then Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Um, Jennifer says, snarkier than I remembered from reading it in school. And just as founding fathers suspected, we might, we've messed things up. So very <laughs> well know, said, Jennifer. That is so great, you know, to go back to classic authors and reads. Uh, Hughes and, and Paine are, you know, as well as Mike Christie. It's really wonderful to dig back into the old older stuff that we sometimes forget when we're in pursuit of new things yeah. to read. And sometimes we think we know it, but we don't, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Thomas Thomas Paine, snarkier than she remembered. I like that. So thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks, Jennifer Invernal. Appreciate that. Thanks for, to everybody, and thanks, Elaine. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, uh, everyone, for listening to Access Utah. It's the Beehive Archive on Utah Public Radio. 
I'm Megan Weiss. The Enterprise Dam in Utah's Washington County is an amazing example of how early Mormon settlers mastered the waters of the harsh desert using community effort. But did you know that the process of building it was bursting with controversy and deluged with drama? Find out more after this. I'm Jody Graham, Director of Utah Humanities. Beehive Archive is brought to you on Utah Public Radio by Utah Humanities with the generous support of the Lawrence T. and Janet T. D. Foundation. We are proud to partner with community organizations to tell Utah stories and hope you will tune in each week for the Beehive Archive. Welcome to the Beehive Archive, a two-minute look at some of the most pivotal and peculiar events in Utah's history. When Mormon settler Orson Huntsman tried to raise cotton in southern Utah during the late 19th century, he struggled to make a living. He wasn't alone. His neighbors in the town of Hebron near Shoal Creek dragged water barrels around on makeshift sleds called lizards in order to water their crops. Convinced they could instead dam Shoal Creek, Huntsman urged his neighbors to move near the water and build a reservoir. Fittingly enough, he wanted to call the new town Enterprise, but the idea turned out to be a very hard sell and nearly ruined Huntsman's life. In the 1890s, there were few reservoirs in Utah like the ones we know today. The United States was in recessions, and settlers saw dam building as a lot of work and money. Nevertheless, Huntsman wrote, I preach reservoir wherever I go, to the point where people actually avoided him. His father-in-law urged him to provide for his family instead of fooling with the reservoir. Huntsman appealed to his religious leaders at the 1893 LDS conference in St. George, but felt slighted when they wouldn't see him. I am alone, he steamed. I will go home, take my family, and go north, and the reservoir can go to hell. But a group of church leaders at the conference eventually met with Huntsman to draft a circulating letter asking for dam financers. They raised about $2 million in today's money, but even then Hebron residents did not relocate to Enterprise as Huntsman envisioned. Instead, they built ditches competing with Enterprise and cobbled together their own reservoir below Huntsman's. After church leaders would not pressure movement to enterprise, it took an earthquake in 1902 to destroy most of Hebron's buildings to finally do it. Today, you can visit the Enterprise Dam and admire its craftsmanship and masonry. What you can't see is Huntsman's years of preaching, the strained relationship with his family, and two divided settlements. Today, the process of surveying land for a dam, funding its construction, and building it is the work of the federal government. But for Huntsman, it required community work an appeal to religious authority, and some good old-fashioned desperation. Find sources and past episodes of the Beehive Archive at utahhumanities.org. For the Beehive Archive, a production of Utah Humanities, I'm Megan Weiss.